Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast, broadcast from 3CR, your only radio left. Susanna here with you, and I'll be joined by other members of my Left After Breakfast team as the program continues. Your favourites for a start. So, welcome to regular listeners and indeed to anyone who has just tuned in. Good on you. As we pull closer to the election, I'd like to have a couple of words with you about health. A lot of us have no reason to think about health unless something happens to us or to our loved ones. I remember Medibank, of course, and Whitlam. The Whitlam government put into place health system called Medibank, but that was a health system which was designed to deliver high quality care to everyone, emphasising that prevention of illness and promotion of health at every level would increase productivity and ensure that we all led better lives. I'd like to have a society which recognises that poor health is so very often a result of structural inequalities in society. Of course, we don't have a Prime Minister who shares that vision. We haven't had a Prime Minister with a vision like that for a long time. In fact, the Coalition's vision is based on the individual. So many of them in this government at present, there's no such thing as society. It doesn't exist. There's no society. A very Margaret Thatcher view. And there are some in this government and their lackeys who a little less extreme, but they firmly believe that individuals matter more than society, so they could never have a good idea or a concept or a vision for a health system. In fact, this government has been working to kill Medicare since it started. Right from the very start of Medibank, the Conservatives hated it. I only have to look at the current health minister, Anne Ruxin, She clearly said seven years ago that Medicare is not sustainable, which really says that she's reckoning it should be a safety net, not a system for universal access to high-quality care, let alone address any inequalities in our society which perpetuate poor health. Let's have a look at some of the things that they've done about health. Well, to start with, they cut funding for the National Disability Insurance Scheme, by 4% by participant. Then they spent $250,000 per month developing an NDIS app. Oh, these apps again. They have no idea about apps. I don't know who they get to write the apps for them. They have no data about how many users wanted to use the app. Then they proposed a robo-debt-style program to claw back money from disabled people under the NDIS, happily waving away all concerns about accuracy and ethics by tacking a blockchain onto the new app. 
blockchains do not in any way make it easier to tell whether a taxi ride was to a medical practitioner or to the pub next door. They have ignored urgent requests from the Commissioner of the Disability Royal Commission, providing neither a yes nor a no answer to a simple extension request. Rolled out the My Health record to the whole country, despite safety concerns about how abusive stalkers can use it, and despite the trial involving nine security breaches. And then 42 more security breaches occurred within weeks of the system being rolled out nationally. They then accidentally, as it was an accident, they exposed the personal health records of millions of Australians, including whether they've had abortions or are on HIV medication. Then when sensitive information was put up for sale on the black market, they claimed not to have suffered a cyber security breach after the system storing the Medicare information had been breached. They just lied about it. Cut $50 million from dental health care funding, chose not to add HIV medication to the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, which would have brought down the cost from 1000 per month to $30 per month. Removed subsidies for blood sugar test strips. Now diabetics will have to pay $60 per box instead of $1.20. Cut all funding for Australia's only eating disorder helpline. Cut $650 million in bulk billing for pathology. Increase the cost of pap smears. Try to pass multiple bills to halve the back pay of intellectually disabled workers who earned roughly $1 per hour in wages. Cut funding to Blind Citizens Australia, Deaf Australia and Down Syndrome Australia. They privatised Australian hearing. Cut $2.5 billion from Meals on Wheels. Oh, Meals on Wheels... Who are these people who do this? Scrapped the Community Food Safety Campaign. Scrapped the Australian Organ and Tissue Donation and Transplantation Authority. Savagely reduced the Medicare optometry rate. Tightened disability pension eligibility. Abolished the position of disability commissioner. Cut all funding to the government's only disability website. Cut $15 million from Flinders Hospital. Closed all Medicare offices on Saturday. And then they scrapped the Alcohol and Other Drugs Council of Australia. And it cost them a million dollars on admin costs to scrap that. Even though the council only received one and a half million in funding per year. Your government at work, eh? 3CR When you started laying down the law I 
can't move my hands I break out in sweat I wanna cry, can't take it anymore But this has gotta stop Enough is enough I can't take this BS any longer It's gone far enough You wanna claim my soul You'll have to come and break down this door I've been around a long, long time seen it all and I'm used to being free I know who I am, try to do what's right So lock me up and throw away the key But this has gotta stop, enough is enough I can't take this BS any longer It's gone far enough, you wanna claim my soul You'll have to come and break down this door Australian. Let's have a look at something different. Your wages. For the first time this century, you're heading to the polling booth with the real income lower than the last time you voted. And that's because over the term of this Morrison government, real wages have fallen by 2.3%. The latest Missing in Action report on wages from the ACTU shows that this crisis in Australian wages did not happen by pure accident. Now look, when prices for everyday items like vegetables, you know, meat, petrol climb upward, it's common sense that wages need to keep up. 
and the very latest figures show that inflation has dropped to 2.1% for the quarter, but wages haven't kept up. These new numbers mean that the average worker will now lose almost $2,000 in the first half of this year, and over the year almost 4000 if the current trends continue. The ACTU Missing in Action report shows that a worker would have earned, on average, $10,000 more if real wages had kept up with productivity since the coalition government came to power in 2013. But Scott's refusal to support necessary wage rises have meant employees like aged care workers, that's just one small example, have been struggling to make ends meet. We know that wages have barely grown under this government. Workers' purchasing power has been flat for nearly a decade and it's now eroding rapidly in the face of accelerating prices on essentials like fresh food, fuel, for heaven's sake, housing. But low wages are not inevitable, listener. A range of simple and practical measures would turn around our lost decade of wage growth and give Australians the pay rise that they deserve. All of these measures, Scott is missing in action on wages. There is, however, one bright light for wages over the past decade, and that's been for those involved in union-negotiated enterprise bargaining agreements. Despite Scott's government's attempts to undermine enterprise bargaining agreements, higher wage growth has occurred through those agreements much more than elsewhere in the labour market. You shouldn't have to scrape by to make ends meet. I'm assuming here, listener, that you're in a union. Well, I hope it's a fighting union. What I find extraordinary about wages and the cost of living is not that Labour wants to make sure wages keep up with the cost of living, but the very extraordinary thing is that Scott doesn't. He doesn't want wages to keep up with the cost of living. What kind of a prime minister is that? Well, can you tell me the answer, listener? You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au.
workers, can you stand it? Oh, tell me how you can. Will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Don't scab for the bosses. Don't listen to their lies. Us poor folks haven't got a chance unless we organize. Which side are you on? 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 Golly, that sounded a bit dreary, didn't it? I would have liked some more kicking it. Which side are you on? And let's hear from Glenn, the 3CR resident historian, and it's about housework and the campaign for paid housework. I'm going to speak about wages for housework. Wages for housework, my word. Well, way back in 1972, the Wages for Housework campaign was launched, and uh, the headline in the US magazine National Enquirer said, Hey, fellas. Could you afford $48,000 of high-bridge women? Guess what a housewife is worth? Clare workers, housewives, child carers, cleaners, chefs, dishwashers, nurses, and family counsellors. And the wage of a housework campaign kicked off 50 years ago this year, 1972. So that was in 1972, yeah. That's right. It was kicked off by the International Feminist Collective in the conference of Padova, Italy. And it spread with campaigns. US, UK, Canada, Italy. Italy. And they realised that women do so much unpaid work and like, where's the recognition for it? I mean, the caring work isn't a volatile destiny or love that's done. It's because of capitalism, that work needs a wage. Women's unpaid labour isn't accounted for in the GDP. It's uh, not measured. Women's unpaid labour is not accounted for in no. the GDP. Housework, you know, the cleaning of the dishes, changing the nappies, mowing the lawns, whatever. None of it's packed up from GDP. And it's essential for capitalism to reproduce itself. These work gets, gets done, but it's not paid for. So the wages for housework campaign kicked off 50 years ago this year. And they said, all women are workers who keep the cogs of capitalism turning. And we should have a return for it, a recognition for it, you know? The question of housework was a question about the term of conditions for all women was one of the views put forward. I have a book I studied it well years about that time called The Sociology of Housework. Yep. It's a good book. I still have it. Well, people like Nicole Cox and uh, Emma Federici made it quite clear in their booklet, you know, Planning from the Kitchen, Wage for Housework. But there's a line being artificial love in work and non-work. About housework is considered non-work compared to wage labour. And this is part of the push for you know, the wages of a housework campaign. This is real work, you know. Changing nappies isn't like, it isn't a fa- it's a real job to keep the family going, to keep the system going. Anyway, the wages of housework campaign went out through the 70s and it, it organised women in different areas, different parts of the workforce. And we saw the first prostitutes collective. We saw black women for wages for housework. And um, there's different ways it manifests itself. The women's work was a form of labour, made of recognition. And it combined theory with actual hard yards and politicisation. And um, somehow we've lost our way over the last few decades. And no longer this campaign has been forgotten about. 
And women work harder than ever in the home. Women work harder ever raising families for social reproduction. But there's no recognition for it. And um, again, no government counted in the GDP. Housework is not recognised. Uh, we know back in 1975, the UN said, OK, we should consider you know, housework as part of GDP. But it wasn't taken any further. So, um, yeah, 50 years down the track, the wages of housework campaign is as relevant as ever. And we can learn from that. And so, you know, you making the sandwiches, you changing nappies, that is work. Just as much as a man pressing a button in a stock exchange or driving a train. But some people have lost these well, things. Driving a train's a bit more like work than sitting in the stock exchange. Well, but they consider it work. They consider it productive pressing buttons to make money. You know, aren't they the real workers, the, the entrepreneurs, the risk takers? And that's called work, you know, pressing buttons to make money. Whereas, you know, raising four kids at home, you know, feeding, cleaning, isn't considered work. As I keep saying, 50 years ago, the wages of a housework campaign was kicked off. And has it been forgotten? Has it been bypassed? What's happened? But it's good to recall those lessons and those struggles. It's been totally ignored 50 years down the track. It's still ignored as it was then. Well? I think it was just... um it's not wages for housework, it's for wages for a carer. People get paid to be a carer. I suppose you should be paid to care for someone, to be their nurse, to uh, go and shopping and buy food and cook for them and feed them and clean up after them and then clean their clothes. Oh, look, in my job, I'm the age of carers. I encounter quite a few carers working amongst the cohort I work with. But again, they're paid carers and so many, many more. Women, especially unpaid carers, and, yeah, at least carers are recognised to an extent of a wage, but the unpaid caring. And how many women have to raise not just their children, but maybe their husband or their parents? And that work, raising those families, isn't recognised in GDP. And if you could put a monetary value to it, what would it be worth? So, anyway, I think it's good to just resurrect these things in and discuss the fact this campaign started 50 years ago, and let's put it back on the radar. Wages for housework? I say go for it. Yeah, go for it indeed. 3CR Housework is such a chore You make the beds, do the dishes, dust the piano, clean the floor And then Three months later hmm, You've got to go back and do it all again
doesn't get any worse. ending i like a good flourishy ending on a bit of music housework blues performed by jan preston from my life as a piano on the abc well good morning bagman how are you good morning susan i'm as fit as a fiddle now before you ask i've been into the internet to see what the interpretation of fit as a fiddle is and I can't really find it. I've found definitions of fit as a butcher's dog. And really? Whatever. Fit as a butcher's dog? Fit as a butcher's dog. And also fat as a butcher's dog. I've heard of crook as a drover's dog. Crook as a drover's dog and crook as a dog's hind leg. <laughs> but we'll get on to those people later on that will be as crook as a dog's hind leg. As long as we aren't flat out like a lizard drinking. That's right. (laughs) Well, anyway, Susan, what a travesty of democracy. I'm going to take you back down memory lane because the goings-on in the Philippines at the moment where a young bloke by the name of Bong Bong Marcos, and yes, that's his real name, Bong Bong Marcos, takes me back to about, I think it was the 25th of February, 1985, when I had the greatest satisfaction. It was one of the greatest days in my life when I was in in the Philippines and I helped with a couple of hundred other people storm Malacanang Palace, which was the home of Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos. Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos left like rats deserting a sinking ship and was carried away by the Americans. And I had the pleasure of going into Young Palace and not breaking anything or smashing anything. I was with a couple of hundred other people and I actually sat on Marcos's bed. I actually went into the barber shop uh, Marcos had and he had the barbershop there with the oxygen tanks because he could take into account the man was an oxygen thief. And I went downstairs to see the 3,000 pairs of shoes that Imelda Marcos had accumulated over those years. That regime in one of the poorest countries in the world was mired in graft, corruption, nepotism and murder. According to the Filipino people, nothing has changed. 
But when I was there in 1985, you could buy a vote giving a Filipino a T-shirt or giving a Filipino a bowl of rice. That was enough to get you to vote for Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos. And, of course, she went on to be a governor herself. But what a corrupt, murderous regime it was. But let's talk about, we'll talk about travesties of justice when we talk about the current election happening here in Australia. Bagman. Yes. I remember when you were there in the palace. Yep. Yep. And you told me you were trying on as many shoes as you could. (laughs) Yes, and none of them would fit me, Susan. Well, it was a great day. It was a great day to see the opulence that graft and corruption had acquired from the Filipino people. And as I said, in his barbershop, down the stairs into a Melder's shoe room and whatever. Shoe Um, room. The shoe room. And she did have 3,000 pairs of shoes. When would you ever wear 3,000 pairs, Will? Uh, Look, I think, you know, the corruption that went on with that uh, Marcos government was that people used to send the shoes for nothing, but she didn't distribute the shoes out to the poor people. She kept them all for herself. But surely if the shoes were sent to her and she was going to pass them on to the poorer people, they wouldn't be shoes diamante heels in red lurex satin. Well, I think they would have been, Susan. I know nothing about women's shoes and the prices of them. But you can't wear them in the paddy fields. Oh, no. And you can't wear them when you're begging for a bowl of rice either. One of the inspirational things that I did when I was in the Philippines, I went to a place called Smoky mountain now smoky mountain was a place where people the poor people scavenged on the tips for getting plastic and coca-cola cans and whatever to sell just to survive what a corrupt government it was and it seems like nothing really has changed I remember you telling me about Smoky Mountain and you were Mm. almost in tears when you told me. Well, Susan, I could almost not breathe. The smell was excruciating. I went to live with them on Smoky Mountain for one day. They were singing and dancing and guitar playing and whatever at night. So the people weren't totally oppressed. No, they were just starving. (laughs) Well... Unless they could get a bowl of rice from some some plastic bags. For a vote. That's right. Now, look. But, but Bergman, is this this Bong Bong one of the Marcos offspring? Bong Bong is the son of Ferdinand and Imelda. How frightening. How frightening. Well, how frightening for the people in the Philippines. Uh, Not for you and me. Uh, but for the people in the Philippines. And Bong Bong has taken a, a different path than, than his father. He's trying to create ties with China. Ooh, that won't get him far. Wait till Peter Dutton hears about that. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> now, Susan, when we're talking about politics, you know, they're always good as each other. And unfortunately, this week, 
Anthony Albanese prostituted himself. Grace Tame has slammed Albanese's decision to do an interview with media personality Alan Jones. The Queen of Sydney Radio, Grace, said there are plenty of other ways to broaden your messaging without enabling known agents of sexism and abuse. I couldn't have put it better myself. I agree with Grace. I do. Oh, I agree with uh, Grace for a lot of things. Uh, but look, you know, politicians these days are not the same politicians in the days gone by because during the Whitlam years, the government cut costs by getting MPs, members of parliament, to travel economy class. And apparently people in the Labor Party were outraged that Gough Whitlam, now I quote Gough here, he said, I fly economy and I am a great man and I could fly economy for the rest of my life and I'd still be a great man. But most of the people around this table are pissants and they could fly first class for the rest of their life and they'd still be pissants. And they all ended up flying economy. I hope Goff went all right in economy. He was a very tall man. He was a very big man, wasn't he? By, I mean, by, yeah. That was the point that Malcolm Fraser always said. He couldn't fly economy. He couldn't, oh, fly, right. he couldn't fly business class either because his legs didn't fit. Oh, so he had to fly first class in a yeah. bed. Well, I can understand that. He also had to have a special car made for him, remember? Oh, get, well, you're taking me down memory lane there. Well, I thought at the time there are plenty of tall men. Do they all get special cars made for them? Goff didn't have a special car made for him. Well, the current Prime Minister has a special plane that's been made for him. And on occasions, the red carpet is rolled out of that plane for Mr Morrison to walk on. Was that the plan that they used to bring all those stranded Australians back from Afghanistan? Was it? I, I doubt it very much. Oh, no, it wasn't because they didn't bring anyone back. That's right. Oh, I must talk about that in a minute, Susan. Well, I'll talk about it now because and I've spoken about it before. The current level of journalism in Australia has reached the bottom. We see the raw footage of the conflict in Ukraine at the moment. Now, we see mothers who have had children injured when hospitals have been bombed and creches have been bombed and uh, their family homes have been bombed. But we see that now. But when the Allied forces were invading Afghanistan and Iraq and they were bombing hospitals, creches and people's homes, we never seen the same level of raw footage that's now coming out of Ukraine. Now, I'm going to justify that by saying all is not fair in love and war because if we had have seen that raw footage from Afghanistan and Iraq, maybe we wouldn't want to be involved in any invasions of any country ever again. Now, well, that's, that's, not, that's not 
my putting in my frippin's worth uh, Mr. Putin at all. I'm just saying the media has a role to play. You know, Bagman, it's accepted now that the main reason why USA pulled out of the war on Vietnam was because the media kept showing footage and people could watch the war in living colour, so to speak, in their lounge room. And they became very tired of seeing their boys in body bags. Mm. And you saw not just the dead and maimed and burning Vietnamese children, but their own American soldiers in all those plastic bags coming home. And that is put now as one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why they pulled out of the war on Vietnam. Yeah, it was called the war on television. So all I'm saying here, Susan, is that we should have seen that raw coverage of what was happening in Afghanistan and Iraq, but we don't because it was the the Allied forces invading another country, whereas this one is the other way around. Yes, yes. Yep. Anyway, that's my personal plea, Susan. Apparently someone tried to trip up Elbo at a uh, press conference the other day because, you know, the gotcha moment. We've got to have Uh. the gotcha moment. Uh, He was talking about his commitment to women in his cabinet and his his commitment to women overall in Australia. And a journalist asked him to name every woman in Australia. (laughs) 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 That makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, The girl gotcha moment. Now, before I go too far, let me give you a nostril anus prediction in this election. And if you haven't made up your mind now, you're brain dead. If you haven't made up your mind now, you never will. I'm going to use an old football analogy. There used to be asked before you went out to play football, are we going to win we're going to shit it in. And that's my nostril anus prediction for the 21st of May. We will not need independent to make up the numbers. The Labor Party will win this election in their own right. We won't need fake politicians uh, working for the United Australia Party who are all paid, the people that hand out the how-to-vote tickets at your polling booth on the 21st of May if they are handing them out to the United Australia Party, they are being paid. Now, that makes them fake in my book. Yeah, it's just amazing finding out they were being paid. How are we going to go with all that below-the-line voting? You know, man, I found a site. Let me tell you what it is. Yep. And it's called clueyvoter.com. Oh, yeah. Cluey, you know, like C-L-U-E-Y. Bye, yep. Clueyvoter.com. Yep. When yep. you get a chance, stick it into Google and you get a good breakdown of the candidates and all those people in the upper house, you know, the 159 and a half of them or I think there are more than that. We really don't know who they are. And people who are standing for the United Australia Party are standing for their own grandiose reasons. Uh, They are not committed to 
the Australian people. They are running simply because they've been paid to run and they're being paid by Clive Palmer to make sure that the Australian Labor Party do not win the election. It's strange, isn't it, why he would go to so much damn trouble? Well, he's got plenty. You know, but is it a personal thing with him, do you think? Is it spite? Is it malice? Well, I think it is because every time you see one of those expensive Clive Palmer ads, you've got to remember this. He owes $4,000 million but refuses to pay the Australian taxpayers or the tax office. The $77 million they had to stump up for his workers' redundancy payments. He refused to pay the redundancy payments. The Australian taxpayer had to chomp up uh, and pay $77 million for the people that he had absolutely no respect for. And so mm, so mm, he owes us that money? Well, he does, yes, because uh, there is a scheme out there for people who are not paid redundancy payments, I think it's called gears, that the government has to step in to help those poor bastards because he refused to stump up any money at all. What a bastard. Uh, Craig Kelly, according to the Age newspaper, every second day, there is a photograph of Craig Kelly saying that he is the next Prime Minister of Australia. I don't know whether I've used the analogy before, Sue. It's an old saying that goes back to my mum and dad's days. If Craig Kelly is the next Prime Minister of this country, I will bear my ass in Bourke Street. Your parents would never have said that, bag man. Your mum might have said, I'll, I'll bear my... <laughs> your mum might have said, I'll bear me bum in Bourke Street. Oh, well, yes, I, I updated it a bit, Susan, because I acquired the foul language from my father's side. <laughs> hey, have you noticed, I know you don't go to the supermarket very often um, because you support your community grocer and community shops and whatever. I can't afford you know, it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, you got $250 from... Well, Bobby. I didn't. Well, I, I didn't, actually, if it comes down to that. Why not? I got 184 Oh, <laughs> wait, did you owe money? Oh, yes, I owe money to whatever it's called nowadays. Not robo-debt. Oh, no, not robo-debt. You'd hear it about if it were robo-debt. Thank you, lucky stars, Susan, that you are still alive because a lot of the people chased by the so-called robo-debt took their own lives. Oh, I know. Nothing could excuse the government for that. We will track you down. We will find you, we'll track you down, and you will go to jail. At least you get fed in jail. Well, yes, uh, but uh, we won't go into uh, your previous uh, life in uh, jail, Susan. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) But you were going to talk about Coles. Supermarkets. Yes. 
if you ever go into a supermarket these days, at least the upmarket ones, and I live in Coburg, the most multicultural city in the world, and we have upmarket supermarkets, and I won't tell you the brand, but when you go to those self-service checkouts, you know, where you scan your own vegetables and you scan your own produce and whatever, if you look up these days, up above the screen that shows you the price, you will see a security camera filming you to make sure well, they don't trust you. Simple <laughs> as that. They think you're all thieves and they've got to film you. Well, and, uh, but just look out for it. Well, fortunately, I'm safe from that bag, man, because I won't use the self-checkout. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. Well, Susan, you've just dodged the bullet because the Mother of the Year in Australia has been announced this week and the Mother of the Year is none other than Pauline Hanson. Now, Pauline Hanson has been nominated as the Mother of the Year by a Christian cult called Family Voice who have extremely limited numbers of members to this cult, and uh, they've nominated her as the Mother of the Year. Now, there could be some things that could be said about Pauline Hanson being the Mother da, 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 of the Year, but uh, we won't go into that so deeply today, but you've definitely dodged the bullet, Susan. Well, why didn't someone nominate me? Well, you've probably nominated before, and when we look back, you're a former failed politician the same ah, yes. as me yes. we once yes we once stood for parliament more than once should, <laughs> yeah and we should always be remembered that way a failed politician anyway i'm not too sure how far we uh, how far we're into um the uh, recording susan and uh, i've got to tell people we did this on a wednesday afternoon because of covid and you reply it on friday morning but my dear granddaughter came to me the other day, and she's a lovely little kid. She's as smart as a whip, or she's smarter than a pop. Uh, anyway, and she asked me if fairy, all fairy tales started with once upon a time. Now, I had to disappoint the young woman. Oh. Um, I had to. I had to tell her, no, they don't all start with once upon a time. Most of them start with when I'm elected. <laughs> oh. oh, dear me, bad man. Yep. Oh, well, and I've just, I've just realised why I wasn't nominated for Mother of the Year. Right. It's because I haven't got a Christian cult behind me. No, that's right. Yeah, so don't be insulted when you hear that Pauline Hanson has been nominated as the Mother of the Year, a small Christian organisation named her. How um, sick. Yeah, well, that. You know, travelling down that well-known dusty, dusty road, in the 1970s, if I worked enough hours, I could buy a house. Now, in the 
in 2022, which I think we're in now, I've got to say, if I work enough jobs, I can afford the rent. Yeah, that's about right. Anyway, going back to gotcha moments, uh, they're all trying to trick elbow. I would like those journos, like the Rachendales and whatever, to recite for me the eight points of Australian Journalists Association Code of Ethics. Off by heart. That's only fair. That's only fair. Totally fair. Then that's all we ask for, Susan. We only ask to be fair. We might be as unbiased as a Collingwood cheer squad, but we are fair. Very fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Susan, I'm not too sure of the time. Um, As we've said in previous weeks, I cannot see the Coburg clock, but you will be able to see the Collingwood clock. Wait on, I'm just looking at it. I'm just trying to... I can't see very well from my cataracts, you see. Oh, Uh, really? Oh, yes, and I may not be able to now because, you know, Medicare's been Uh, cut so much for all the optometry stuff. Yes. Mm, So Well, at least the Greens have a good policy there where they're saying dental care should be included in the the budget in the future. It should have been included in 1973. I mean, there was such a huge bloody lobby from the mm. AMA, mm. the doctors, and from the dentists, oh, and from a number of conservative politicians. I mean, what's wrong with them? They obviously don't think that the mouth is part of the human body or just thought they'd lose money out of it because they thought when Medibank was first put in by Goff, we speak of friends lest we forget, when yes. it first went in by Goff, that they were going to not be able to make so much money. But they still make a lot of money. What's mm, their still problem? Make a- well, it's pretty expensive to go to the dentist these days. Now, before I finish, Susan, I'm going to quote Karl Marx. And he said, the oppressed are allowed once every few years to, desire, to decide which particular representatives of the oppressing class are to represent and repress them. Now, Karl Marx, <laughs> Karl Marx is fairly famous, but we never hear we never hear about his famous sister. Don't we? His famous sister is yeah, that Gladys? Anya. Anya. Sorry. Anya. Anya, Mark. Get set. Okay. Sorry, okay. Bagman. <laughs> it, it took me a while there. <laughs> <laughs> so, on, on that, I, I was waiting for Karl Marx to give us, a, you know, your quote from Karl Marx to be about dentistry. <laughs> oh, on that, on that note, Susan, let's go out in the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from left after breakfast. Well, thanks once again for listening. Thanks for the ride. And I'm going to leave you with, oh, I'll have to call it music. I don't want you to guess how I'm going to vote on the 21st of May. But if you wanted to guess, you could by my choice of this song. It's an unusual song. Just something different. But that's 3CR for you. Something different. 
He brought in a lump of coal to Parliament, held up the dirty rock like a diamond. Told people don't be scared of the climate. Politicians are for sale, is what he meant. Australia went up in flames. He went on holidays, hiding in Hawaii. To dodge the media gates, Sydney disappeared beneath the small case. Firefighters died trying to fight the blaze. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Scomo's got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Got to go. Came back and apologised Tried to shake hands Couldn't find a hand to shake Right across the land Everywhere but Scotty went He found himself banned No one likes an arsonist In a burnt land World moved on from coal He started pushing gas Claiming it's a clean fuel Cause they donated cash Wrecking all the farmland Despite the backlash Destroying the country From reefs to outback Hey hey ho ho Hey hey ho ho Hey, hey, ho, ho, ScoMo's got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, hey, hey, ho, ho. Hey, hey, ho, ho, ScoMo's got to go. Tapping fear, he didn't care if people fleeing were refugees. Claimed he wasn't racist by cooking curry. Opposed same-sex marriage, signed God's will despite most voters backing their bill. Said he didn't want his daughters being bedeviled despite it being legal. He's trying to brush his tail. Hey hey ho ho, hey hey ho ho, hey hey ho ho. Someone's got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho Hey, hey, ho, ho Hey, hey, ho, ho Scomo's got to go Confronted by a rape claim In his cabinet He tried to shut the case down Wasn't having it When thousands of women marched He refused to meet Said they could all be shot From protesting shit Refused to condemn Trump For the riot Cause Trump let him do things On the quiet Like pushing gold to a world That doesn't buy it Cause Trump made him look sane In the light of it Hey hey ho ho Hey hey ho ho Hey hey ho ho Scumbo's got to go Hey hey ho ho Hey hey ho ho Hey hey ho ho Scumbo's got to go Ah, good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. 